The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. I'll introduce my guest here in just a moment, but first, let me thank my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you're not familiar with them, Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. I appreciate their partnership. We're both trying to help people connect with the work they want. For this week's conversation, we have with us Special Agent Kevin Crane, who is retired from the Department of Defense, which has been called other things. He'll help us understand that as well. He is the author of the number one best-selling book, Access Granted, which provides easy-to-understand guidance on how to quickly and efficiently obtain a federal security clearance to include the top secret level. He will be sharing with us his perspective and expertise on how people can prepare for future career opportunities that will either require a security clearance, whether on a federal, military, or industrial level, or any career requiring a background investigation to be hired. Kevin, welcome to the show. It's great to have you with me. Thank you for having me, uh, Elise. I appreciate it. This is going to be fun. You are a totally different kind of a guest for me. I haven't had anybody on the show who's got your background or your expertise, so I'm going to dive in with a whole bunch of questions for you. But before we get into that, can you just first start by telling us, I'm sure our listeners want to understand a little bit about your background and your, invest, and your investigative experience with the Department of Defense, whatever it's called today. Well, that would be my pleasure to fill you in. I grew up in a small town in the Catskill Mountains called Hancock, New York. I graduated from Penn State University in 1983 with my degree in pre-law, and I'm a lifetime alumni member. I've been involved with uh, Taekwondo and Tang Soo Do for 39 years, and I'm a third-degree black belt. I've worked as a special agent for 21 years. Uh, Eight of those years, I was an assistant special agent in charge, and all of it was in support of national security. I've investigated individuals with backgrounds, including murderers, rapists, child molesters, drug dealers, and many, many more issue types of cases. Wow. Um, and I just have to delve down just a little bit there because it's fascinating to me the kind of work that you, that you were doing back then. Um, did you set out to get into that kind of career? Or is that what you, did it choose you or did you actually target that work? I, I sort of targeted that type of work. I, I wanted to be a federal agent. Uh, my father, uh, in the early days, in the 60s and 70s, was a police officer, chief of police of our town. He eventually became a federal agent. So most of the people that we knew were law enforcement, and it just so happened um, that's the direction I went. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So crisp in the way you respond to these things. Some people take a little bit of time to get to these answers, but you obviously have, have told this story before, so <laughs> we get that benefit. Well, yeah. about the book, about the book, Kevin, I mean, a lot of people aspire to write books, right? And they may work on it for years and years and years and never actually get to it and, or actually pull it off, but you did. What made you decide to write the book, Access Granted? I actually wanted to write a book for about 10 years and eventually sat down and did it. And um, I believe that so many people don't have a clear understanding of what's involved in getting either a job with the United States government uh, or a security clearance that might be required or any type of a background check. Uh, you're obviously going to need one if you do work for the government. And about 90% of the military requires some type of a security clearance. So there's a lot of young people going in that uh, they just don't have an understanding of how the process works. So I wrote it in such a way that pretty much anybody can understand how it does work. Okay. And we have the, the lovely um, benefit, I guess, and privilege of, of listenership in about 30 different countries for this particular show. Voice America has it all over the world, of course. But I can imagine that there are listeners out there who don't really know what security clearance is. What is it? Well, simply put, uh, it's a type of permission or access that the U.S. government provides to someone who has undergone the proper investigation and meets the criteria for being granted what is called a position of trust. Uh, The levels are confidential, secret, and top secret. There are some levels above the top secret level, but each of these classifications represent uh, the degree of seriousness uh, the unauthorized release of protected information would pose if an enemy of the United States were to obtain it. Uh, For example, uh, information technology, government programs, or military operations, etc., that are classified as top secret, pose a very serious risk to the security of our country if it were leaked to a foreign government. For sure. Oh, my gosh, for sure. I can't imagine what it must feel like, Kevin, to be the person who has access to that kind of information. And in other words, is has um, on their shoulders, if you will, that uh, need to be able to protect that kind of information. That seems like an, an awful lot to bear. Well, it is... But the people that are hired for these positions, obviously they have the the background, the capability, knowledge, skills, and ability, if you will. But once they've been investigated, um, they show that uh, or have shown that they are people who can be trusted. And we have some very, very good, decent people who work in our federal government, in our military, as well as the industrial complex that uh, have been entrusted with maintaining classified information. And for the most part, they do a very good job. Mm-hmm. Well, along those lines, kind of digging a little bit deeper then, Kevin, this show is very much about how people meaningfully connect to their work, how they choose their work, what, are they, what does it mean to them, et cetera. And so I'm certainly curious, and I'm guessing my listeners would be too, who might need to have a security clearance? What kind of people are we talking about and maybe what kinds of work are they doing? Well, I'm going to break it down into three categories for your listeners who might decide to go into the certain fields after they graduate. Um, One would be, of course, individuals that want to work for the United States government. So many jobs in the government require that you pass a background investigation before they hire you. Uh, Some of the agencies, but certainly not all, uh, would include Department of Defense, Homeland Security, 
Department of the State, uh, and the FBI, to name a few. The second category uh, would be the U.S. military. Um, many of the military personnel will work with weapons, technology, and perform missions that will be classified and require security clearance. Um, a clear example of this uh, in all of our minds still would be when SEAL Team 6 performed their classified operation to get Osama bin Laden. I'm sure everybody mm-hmm. remembers that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third yeah. category I had was uh, companies that have contracts with the U.S. military uh, Department of Defense to make certain weapon systems that are classified. Uh, anybody that works on these contracts, such as mechanics, computer operators, system designers, etc., all need to be cleared before they can actually work on these particular projects. So one of the things that you said when you were talking there, Kevin, that kind of caught my ear and may have some of the other listeners out there, you, you, you mentioned college graduates specifically. Can people who are beyond college or maybe starting a different career later in their life also get security clearance? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we can certainly have, from one end of the spectrum, you may have college, uh, well, let's go to high school. Uh, they're going to be graduating. They might want to enter the military or perhaps try to get an entry-level job into the government. They absolutely could benefit from this information. Uh, whether people might currently be in the military or the government, and they may not have security clearances today, but they want to go for a position tomorrow that might require it, so it would help them. And people who just are having, as you sort of pointed out, maybe a, a change in their life circumstances, want to change careers, and they're going to enter into something where they need to have a background investigation and or security clearance, um, this is absolutely good information for them. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you answered that the way that you did because, and I find it hopeful, because certainly a lot of the listeners that tune in, they are. They, they're recycling through different careers. They're in transition. And that might be a lot of the reason that they're listening to this show is to get some wisdom on how they can navigate forward and perhaps change or try something different. So I'm glad to hear that, that there are, there's various access points here along your life, your lifeline that people can access a career like this. Um, and, and to that end, Kevin, I, and one of the things I'm interested in also knowing is, so why is it, why is being able to, to be granted a security clearance important for somebody's immediate or future career? Why, why, how is that helpful to them, and how maybe well, how long does it last? Well, that's a, a great question. Now, the security clearance itself, um, it could last for as long as they're in the career. Um, they will probably require to do reinvestigations periodically to make sure that they're still, uh, we'll say, worthy to maintain their security clearance. But to answer your question, um, if a person is able to pass their background investigation, they'll be granted a security clearance at whatever level they need. Uh, therefore, they'll be able to be hired for the job or get the military position they wanted. Uh, an example I have is a student that wants to be uh, uh, in the federal government, and maybe they're going to start off at a, a fairly entry-level GS-7 pay grade, of say maybe $42,000 annually, uh, but they need uh, and they do get the security clearance, and as a result, uh, they can get that particular job instead of working a job somewhere else that pays much, much less. Um, an example would be, again, use a college student or a high school student. Uh, if they can't pass a background-slash-security clearance investigation, the type of job that they could have had that paid a fairly good sum of money uh, would be out of their reach, and so many graduates end up working in malls 
in restaurants, as servers, uh, in bars, and it's really not what they went to school for, and the pay is just so much different. So it, it is a better opportunity if they do seek out jobs that do require a security clearance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is there some like a, like a time expiration on these things, Kevin? Do they last for a forever or for a period of time? Well, they will last pretty much forever as long as you're working for uh, an agency that requires it. Um, if you go into the military, you could feasibly stay for 20 or 30 years, maintain your security clearance. The same with the federal government. Uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, you may have to have a periodic reinvestigation uh, every five, seven, ten years, depending on they, they, they change things uh, periodically as far as the length of reinvestigation. But uh, it can continue on. And even if you had a clearance, for example, in the military and wanted to go work for the government or for a defense contractor that also required a clearance, you could actually transfer the clearance as long as it was still up-to-date um, and hadn't expired. Uh, it can be transferred from one entity to another. So that's another uh, great aspect of it. Mm. That's really interesting. I would not have guessed that transferability part of it, Kevin. Not at all. No, I just wouldn't have. And, and along those lines, one of the things I'm, I'm thinking I'm hearing you say is it sort of sounds like you... I don't know, you tell me, if you need a sponsor or can just anybody request a security clearance on their own? Well, actually, actually the word sponsor is probably a, a good word to use. Um, you can't actually request a security clearance on your own. Um, you either have to be hired by or have been offered a position with the federal government, the military, or a defense aerospace contractor that requires the security clearance for the position they would actually be the ones to begin the paperwork for you. you. You just can't do it on your own. Okay, so you just can't say, you know, I might want to one day pursue a career like this, and maybe I should go ahead and knock this out, huh? Yeah, correct. What I would advise that if you think you're heading in that direction, um, and I may be putting the cart before the horse here for the interview purpose, but if I may, uh, I would recommend that individuals download the form, the SF Standard Form 86, and begin the process at least if you know that you're going for a position that requires a clearance, you can begin to at least work on it and get it up to date before you even do the interview. Mm, that is fantastic. And, yeah, we will talk more about that after our, our break here in a second. But I think getting specific about giving listeners some specific tools about what they want, maybe want to look up after hearing this conversation would be very useful to a lot of people out there. So you, you called it the SF-86? Uh, yes, SF, Standard Form. 86. Okay. I know we're going to go into more detail about the mechanics and what that whole process is. Sure. Um, but but what first, what's the initial process that a person might go through to begin their security clearance? Well, to begin, uh, you will be required to complete the security clearance application, as we said, the SF-86. Um, if you go ahead and download it, uh, you'll see uh, on the Internet that it's over 120 pages long. So it's oh, my quite, goodness. Quite a bear, quite a bear. Uh, there is some redundancy in there, depending on where you live, work, or gone to school. They do give you extra pages, so that's part of the reason. Uh, but the information that you put on the form uh, will be typed uh, into a computer on a form called EQIP, E-Q-I-P, and uh, that actually transfers it into an electronic version of what you filled out, and then that gets transmitted to the United States government so that your investigation can be officially opened. 
Mm. I'm still stuck on what you said, 120 pages, Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> that just yeah, keeps going round and round my head. Very, very lengthy, but it doesn't mean that you'll complete 120 pages. Uh, it's just a bit over that when all is said and done. So, again, preparation is the, the key to the game, and being proactive in what you do is so very, very important. Well, speaking of preparation, I, 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 I'm thinking in my mind that you, in my mind, you must have some idea about what, what, how people should prepare. Like I can imagine and envision that they're gathering documents from past times or I don't know. So what, what's a little bit about the preparation process just before we go on break? Sure. That's a great question, and I'll keep it brief. Uh, of course, the best thing a person can do is to purchase my book. I give you all the information that you need. You won't have to do any research, and it's all laid out. Uh, other than that, uh, again, download a copy of the Standard Form 86 off of the Internet. It's very easy to find. Uh, then begin to gather the information that you're going to need on the SF-86 so that you can quickly and accurately complete your application. And let me add here that it's uh, very important to not only be accurate, but to be completely honest. I can't mm-hmm. stress that enough. Uh, a person is more likely to be denied, uh, denied a security clearance if they intentionally falsify their SF-86. So those are a few gold nuggets as far as preparing for it. And uh, I think that'll be helpful to your listeners. Okay. And while you mentioned it really quick, Kevin, uh, where can our listeners find your book? Is it on your website or is it on Amazon? Where would you direct them to find your book? Actually both. The easiest thing would be to go onto my website, uh, federalsecurityclearance.net, and you can click the link there. Or you can go on to Amazon.com, type in my name, Kevin Crane, C-R-A-N-E, uh, with a little dash and put access granted. It'll come up in the books and you'll see a, uh, the cover photo picture will be right on the, the front and you'll see what I look like. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Kevin, it is time for our first break. I wanted to make sure we got that in before we went on break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Kevin Crane, who is a retired special agent from the Department of Defense and author of Access Granted, which provides easy-to-understand guidance on how to quickly and efficiently obtain a federal security clearance to include the top secret level. We've been talking a little bit about the mechanics of what's involved and who might want to be uh, applying for such a clearance. After the break, we'll get more into details to just, just to what's involved. Stay with us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Kevin Crane, who is the author of Access Granted, which provides easy-to-understand guidance on how to quickly and efficiently obtain a federal security clearance to include at the top-secret level. He spent 21 years of service to our country with the Department of Defense, and during this tenure, Kevin conducted thousands of in-depth investigations for U.S. government security clearances. These investigations included interviewing over 10,000 references and subjects of investigation, as well as thousands of financial, criminal, employment, educational, and medical records. Quite a career, quite, quite an accomplishment, quite a set of experiences to draw from and help us out here today. He joins us today from Philadelphia. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Let's pick, off, pick up where we left off. Uh, we were talking more in depth about the actual process there, Kevin. I know you have so much to say about that, and I want to pack our listeners with as much information as we can while we've got you. Um, so can we get into the actual process? What happens in the process? Once a person completes their application, then what happens? Once the government, uh, at least, has your application, your SF-86, they send out requests for various law enforcement and credit checks, such as for the FBI, Interpol, the three main credit agencies, and the Department of Treasury. And what happens after that depends on various factors to include the level of security clearance that you need and if there are any personal issues that need to be investigated in a person's background. Okay. And, and what usually takes place to conduct a typical investigation? I mean, and I don't know if you can talk about some of the, the touch points you mentioned, some of the places they're already going to go to, but I'm just trying to get my head around what typically takes place in that process. Sure, I'd be happy to tell you. Um, if a person just needs a, let's say, confidential or secret level clearance, oftentimes the record checks I mentioned uh, just briefly before this uh, will be done along with other appropriate uh, federal agency checks, uh, written inquiries to police departments, uh, educational institutions, jobs and references covering the last five years of your life. Now, if you need a top-secret security clearance, uh, the investigation is much more thorough. Uh, and this time, uh, coming right from my book, uh, what would be required would be a, a national agency check, such as with the FBI, on your spouse or cohabitant, somebody that you live with, have a bond of affection with, uh, interviews and employment for the past seven years, interviews at schools and residences covering the past three years, uh, a review of any court actions covering the past 10 years, uh, an interview of any former spouse you divorced within the past 10 years. That always gets interesting. And uh, there's other interviews and checks, but that gives you some idea. I can't let that go, Kevin. The divorce part, you know, you said that always gets interesting. Can you give us some insight as to what that means and maybe any perspective you've had without, you know, giving anybody's identity away? But when, when you say something like that gets interesting, it piques my interest. Well, when you divorce somebody, obviously, uh, you don't necessarily divorce as best friends. So there's always some concern about what the other individual is going to say. Mm. Uh, we go through the 
typical questions that we would ask pretty much any other reference, uh, only we would include, you know, why did you get divorced? Uh, and uh, we would not ask them if they would recommend their ex-spouse for a position of trust with the United States government. Uh, the government understands that there could be some hard feelings still as a result of the divorce for whatever the reason, but uh, we do like to speak to the ex-spouses because if the subject of investigation perhaps did some things that uh, they should not have been doing, such as bringing home classified information to work on, then perhaps we might learn that from the former spouse if they chose to let us know. And um, so it is a good source, and it is that's not necessarily something that we would enjoy doing, but uh, it needs to be done, and it is part of the process. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I asked that question because it is quite interesting. You know, I don't know what the divorce rate is for sure across the states. I think it's 65%. So the chances of somebody having that experience is pretty high, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. Well, another thing that you sort of surfaced there that I think is interesting, and I got to believe our listeners are thinking this too. I mean, I can imagine that once in a while when somebody's going through this process, maybe something shows up that they didn't know was there. Um, so how can a person help themselves to fix any issues that they are aware of in their backgrounds or maybe they didn't know um, before they go through the security clearance process? Yeah, this is a, it's a, that's a beautiful question because it's taking a proactive step uh, for the investigative process Oftentimes, people don't know that they have issues. More important, if they do have issues that they're aware of, uh, they need to do something. So my answer would be uh, the most important thing that you can do is to be proactive and avoid any issues to begin with. Uh, some examples would be uh, not to use or sell illegal drugs, avoid being arrested for anything, and make sure you stay on top of your bills and your credit. Uh, if these things are already an issue for you, perhaps you might need to speak to an attorney, see if you can have your uh, arrest expunged if possible. Uh, if you're using, selling, or involved with illegal drugs, I tell people to stop now. Uh, if you haven't paid your bills, I recommend contacting your creditors and pay them. And here's a gold nugget, quote, unquote. Uh, request a copy of your free credit report to see if you have any issues that you weren't even aware of. Uh, more security clearances are denied because of a person's financial issues, uh, so your listeners need to now look into that. And my book discusses this at length. You're Every year entitled to a copy of your credit report from the three main agencies. I would get one from each agency uh, every, we'll say, four months get one from one agency the first four months, one the second four months, one the third. So all year long, you can keep on top of where your credit is. And if you see a problem, uh, go ahead and fix it. 40% of the denials for security clearance are because of financial issues. And uh, let's make sure that it doesn't happen to your listeners. Mm. Boy, that is really solid advice right there, Kevin. You've hit the high points for you know how to kind of keep yourself clean to go through this process, and I think that's extremely helpful. And I also find it interesting that that forty percent number that the, of the where the rejections come around financial issues. I think that's probably very sobering for some of our listeners who are maybe have gotten behind and in the hard job market over the years. So it's really important information you're sharing. Thank you, Kevin. This is good stuff. Sure. Okay, so you know I got to ask too because I, I do a lot of this. In fact, what are we doing right now? Is I'm interviewing you, right? So I got I'm curious as to know, you know, the inter- the actual interview process. So if a person is going to be interviewed by an agent, what kinds of questions might they expect to be asked? Well, I broke this down 
into two parts, if you will. Uh, if you're being investigated for a confidential or a secret level clearance uh, and you're going to be interviewed by an agent for some reason, typically if everything in the records come up clean, you won't be interviewed. But if an issue will say such as a financial matter comes up, uh, they will interview you. She'll be interviewed for whatever the issue is that's surfaced. All the questions will focus on those issues, uh, whatever they may be, drugs, alcohol, arrests, financial. However, if you require a top-secret clearance, you'll be asked to answer questions that relate to anything you answered on your standard form 86. It's a very detailed interview process for sure, and it will include questions covering where you've lived, worked, gone to school, foreign travel and foreign connections, uh, issues, drugs, alcohol, the police, financial matters, etc., etc. It's a very detailed interview process, uh, much different than the confidential or secret type interview. Mm-hmm. I was wondering about the kinds of issues that it, you, that somebody might actually have to be talking about, and you, you you gave examples of some of them. But can you can you maybe help us understand a bit more in detail about maybe a couple of kinds of examples where a person might really have to go through more of an in depth interview process? Well, sure. Um, for instance, uh, if you have uh, a lot of foreign travel or family or friends that live out of the country, mm-hmm. okay. um, you're going to be asked about them. Uh, oh. You'll be asked the dates and places that you've traveled, how often you have contact with individuals outside of the country, if you have any um, business interests outside of the country. Uh, a lot of this is to see uh, sort of what are you involved with, who are the people that you're involved with, uh, are they people who are, you know, truly just family and or friends, or could they be uh, foreign intelligence agents? Uh, you may be susceptible to some sort of blackmail, pressure, or coercion to act against the best interests of the United States. And uh, all of these questions uh, that I mentioned, uh, to include what I'm talking about now as far as foreign travel and connections, they're all based to see if you have any types of uh, issues in your background that could be vulnerabilities, weaknesses, uh, things that could make it difficult for you to uh, maintain classified information. Uh, you don't want to be susceptible to blackmail because people will try to purchase uh, information from you uh, in order to benefit their country and hurt our country. So that's sort of in a nutshell uh, why those questions are asked and uh, the uh, importance of those types of questions. Mm, I am so glad I asked that question because that you gave me so much information in there that helped me really get behind what's in that interview and why it's important and what the kinds of things that they're looking for, Kevin. That was extremely helpful to take because right now, for me, the idea of security clearance feels very abstract because it's not something that's on my radar. And that really helped me kind of bring home more of the process and what's involved and why is the process important. So thank you. That was huge. Absolutely. Well, we see these things on television shows and movies, and people hear he has a top-secret security clearance, but they don't know in the reality of things sort of what that means and what the process is. They just hear the words. That's right, and that's why I think this 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 interview is quite colorful and quite interesting because of the of the detail that you're bringing into it and your your ability to express it in a very crisp way. Perhaps because that's just who you are, or maybe just because of your years of experience. And I'm sure that writing the book didn't hurt that process either, right, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> but it did not hurt the process at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, my next question here, I really wanted to make sure and get this one asked of you because I've, I've certainly heard of mitigating circumstances, but what are mitigating circumstances and maybe why might this be important for somebody that has issues in their background? Well, if uh, any of your listeners uh, or potential readers of my book um, have any type of issues, whether it's anything I've mentioned, uh, just about anything, the government looks at circumstances surrounding those issues, and they call those mitigating circumstances. They want to know uh, if you have an issue or issue in your investment. In your investigation, the adjudicator, the individual who will make the decision to grant or deny the clearance, uh, will need to see if there are reasons to still grant you a security clearance in spite of the issue. Uh, let's use as an example um, somebody using marijuana. Uh, when they were interviewed by the federal agent, uh, the person did list the use of marijuana on their SF-86 security application. They reflected that they used it five years ago. They only used it less than 10 times, and there's been no other drug involvement, and they have no future intention of ever using illegal drugs again. Uh, these types of responses uh, are called, uh, or part of the, uh, I would say, lessen, they lessen the seriousness, if you will, of the issue. Uh, and the adjudicator is very likely to grant you a security clearance. Uh, all other issues, uh, other than use of drugs, they have a set of mitigating criteria, and I specifically mention every single mitigating criteria that the United States government uses within my book. So it just spells it right out. Uh, if you've had issues with alcohol, drugs, arrests, um, financial matters, just about anything, even foreign travel type things, uh, misuse of information technology, you would take a look at those mitigating circumstances and see what type of things the government's looking for and then answer them appropriately, but honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, you know, when I, I can't, how long is this book that you've written, Kevin? How many pages is it? Um, you know, when it's a, a relatively modest book, I'd say we're looking at about a, well, close to 160 pages. And okay. uh, most of it, like three of the chapters cover the actual application process of filling out that SF-86, but the rest of the book pretty much gives you a lot of gold nuggets of uh, tips, guidance, and advice, and I wrote it so anybody can understand it, but uh, it's a quick read, too. You can probably finish it uh, within a couple of days, if not sooner. Okay. Awesome. Well, just thinking about some of the things you've said that's in it made me wonder, just, you know, must be chock full of good information. I, I'm sure it's, I haven't picked it up yet. I've got, I've got it on order, um, but I'm, I'm curious to see how you chunk all that information out. Well, uh, are you talking about as far as uh, chapter by chapter? Yeah, I was just curious how you decided to lay it out. I think for me, knowing how the process works, uh, other than the, of course, first chapter introduction, uh, I go on to tell them uh, chapter two is the levels of clearances and what's required for each. Uh, chapter three is uh, who investigates you and what they do. Uh, chapter four is understanding and nailing the security clearance application that, that bear of the SF-86. Uh, chapter five, six, and seven uh, are actually covering the standard form 86 itself. I go over every single question. That part perhaps is a bit dry, uh, only because it's an application and its applications are dry. But uh, Chapter 8 speaks about the adjudicative guidelines and the mitigating factors like we just discussed. And uh, finally, Chapter 9 
is uh, if you do have a clearance denied, I cover clearance denial, the appeal process, and getting a copy of your investigation. So I think it's all very real-life, practical, uh, down-to-earth explained information that uh, it's just full of gold nuggets. And again, even if you're not going for a security clearance for the government uh, or private industry, uh, you're going to need some type of an investigation. And the techniques and advice I give will absolutely set you up for success for any type of a background investigation. Mm. That is the perfect way to take us into our next break, Kevin. Thank you for that. I, I think it's helpful for our listeners to understand more of what's in that book so that they can decide when it's time for them to pick it up. So time for this short break, our last one before we get to break off here and I get to, ta- I get to send you on your way and, and re- remove my connection to this interesting dialogue. I'm your, I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Kevin Crane. He's a retired special agent from the Department of Defense and the author of Access Granted, which provides easy-to-understand guidance on how to quickly and efficiently obtain a federal security clearance to include even the top-secret level. After the break, we'll continue our dialogue about more as to what's involved to get that clearance. Stay with us. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. If you're just joining us, my guest is Kevin Crane, who is the author of Access Granted. It's a book that provides easy-to-understand guidance on how to quickly and efficiently obtain a federal security clearance, including the top-secret level. He spent 21 years of service to our country with the Department of Defense, and in that role, he conducted thousands of in-depth investigations for U.S. government security clearances. And those investigations included interviewing over 10,000 references and subjects and subjects investigation, as well as thousands of financial, criminal, employment, educational, and medical records. He joins us today from Philadelphia. 
So, Kevin, before the break, we were still talking about that and the process of really what's involved. There's there's lots of steps there. And one of the things that you said when you were talking about people's backgrounds, and maybe I thought about who they might be doing some of these activities with, made me wonder, as if in the process of, of, of conducting the background check or, or the process of getting security, will the government talk with anybody else besides oh, you? They investigate? Yes, that's a good, good question. Um, typically for the confidential secret clearance, if they speak to you uh, to cover an issue, they may need to expand the investigation to cover the interview of other references, if you will. Uh, but specifically for a top secret clearance, uh, they will absolutely speak to other individuals, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, that would include people who you've worked with, gone to school with, uh, your neighbors, friends, a couple listed references, perhaps. Uh, it's also possible uh, that uh, you know, additional records may have to be reviewed. It really depends on what the investigation finds. So typically for the lower clearances, they won't speak to anyone uh, unless they need to, but absolutely for the top secret level, they will. And are we talking about an in-person interview, a phone interview? What is this? Well, when an agent goes out and uh, tries to find various references, they would prefer to do it in person, especially when there's issues involved. So for the confidential secret level uh, or an issue for a top secret, uh, they would prefer to speak to the individual in person. There are occasions where uh, a telephone interview may be requested uh, by the reference, and in that case, the agent would do it. But uh, for the most part, we like to do these things in person. Um, it just provides for a better investigative setup, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the person knows this interview is going to come, right? This is a scheduled event, right? It doesn't happen on the fly, correct? Correct, yes. Okay. So is there anything a person can do to prepare for that for that agent in that interview? Uh, yes. Uh, if there's going to be an investigation, and you obviously know that there is because you filled out the paperwork and the release forms to do it, um, my first thing would be to make it easy for the investigator by notifying your list of references, your neighbors, your friends, co-workers, and employers that you're being considered for a position of trust and a security clearance. Uh, let them know that as part of that process, a federal investigator has your permission to speak with them about your background. Uh, this will prevent people from thinking that you are about to be arrested, and they'll <laughs> feel more comfortable talking about you. And uh, let's hope that they have nothing but good things to say, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that brings up a good question. What if they don't? What if they, what if, what if you give somebody a, as a reference and you don't realize that they're going to say something about you that isn't favorable? What happens? It does, it, it does happen. Um, there's obviously situations that people get involved with and other people were with them. And you may ask, you know, who was with you at the time of this event? Uh, and they'll tell you the names. So when you contact those individuals, you'll mention as the federal agent to the interviewee, um, so-and-so is being investigated for a position of trust. They mentioned that uh, I can speak to you as a reference and, you know, go and speak to them and tell them what you're there for. And uh, I have had actual listed references say some negative things about the person you're interviewing. It sort of catches you off guard at first, but uh, after you've done it for so long, nothing surprises you. And the bottom line is we will ask uh, the interviewees, do you recommend so-and-so for a position of trust with the United States government? It's either yes or no. Uh, if the answer is no, we would ask them why. 
and uh, typically they would tell you why they wouldn't. And uh, it does happen. Mm. You know, you're reminding me, Kevin, in, in all my years of uh, of doing interviewing for, you know, com- corporate jobs usually, every once in a while when you would ask for somebody's references, they would give you a reference to someone who really couldn't speak well on their behalf, which made you wonder, of course, why did they give that person as a reference? Did they not understand that they didn't have a good relationship or uh, misread the situation terribly? Uh, but yes, the same thing happens even even in the employment space. I'm sure you would get that too. But I also found it very surprising whenever you'd get that kind of a reference with somebody. Interesting. Well, as I said, it, it's better to be proactive let your references know what's happening, and uh, of course, get their permission. Make sure it's okay that if you're going to list them, it's one thing, uh, but if you know that they're going to probably be contacted anyway because they live next to you, let them know. Proactive, and uh, make sure that uh, you know you keep everything smooth and uh, try to make everybody happy. Don't cause trouble. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Sure, it does. Well, so once a person's investigation is actually complete, then what happens? Let's say they get through all this process, and then what happens? Okay, well, once the investigation is given to the adjudicator, again, this is the person who makes the decision to grant or deny the clearance, uh, you'll typically be notified by your potential employer or military supervisor, if you're in the military, uh, that you were granted a security clearance and can either begin your new job or if you were denied the clearance, you won't get the job. That's oftentimes the case if the job is contingent upon uh, successfully obtaining a security clearance, and uh, it does happen. So you're either going to get it or you're going to be denied. It makes me wonder, Kevin, do you have any stats on you know, the, the percentage of people that are actually denied? I, it's not a real high percentage. Uh, the majority of the people, vast majority, uh, are actually granted security clearances, so the process does work. Uh, we wish it could work a little quicker. I know that they're trying to make it go as quickly as possible. Uh, but uh, some more to answer your question, more are given than denied. Okay. Well, and you did kind of queue up. I did want to have an idea. I'm sure it varies according to the level of clearance and maybe some of the issues they investigate. But how long does it take to get cleared for clearance by the that's U.S. A, government? That's a, that's a question I get all the time. And uh, and you're basically right uh, it depends on the investigative process. Uh, it could take less than a couple of months for a simple and clean investigation, such as for a confidential or secret clearance where just basically record checks are being done, uh, or it could be for over a year if it's a more issue-filled, complex investigation. And that's why I stress it's so important to be proactive, to get a copy of this SF-86, fill it out, understand and know what's going to be asked if there's any problems, fix them way in advance of the investigation, and uh, it'll just actually speed things up. It's better to get it done in a couple of months so that you can get hired and be in the job and get paid as opposed to have to wait in limbo for over a year because of issues that you possibly could have fixed prior to the investigation. So did I interpret that correctly, that, that the process could take anywhere from two months on the short end to over a year? Is that fair to say? Yeah, but I would say that's fair to say depending on the circumstances. Okay. Well, of course, you know, I've got to ask, maybe what are some of the reasons that a person maybe would be denied a security clearance? Well, in general, um, they could have had recent, and I, I sort of highlight recent problems, whether drugs or alcohol, um, if it's been something that's way in their past and they're not doing it uh, ever since they were teenagers, that shouldn't be a problem. But if it's recent 
it could very well be a problem concerning drugs and alcohol. Uh, a number of arrests that were more serious or recent in nature of serious financial problems or indebtedness, or perhaps they just falsified their security clearance application. Um, oftentimes when it comes to omitting or lying about something on someone's security application, believe it or not, the falsification is usually more serious than the issue omitted. Uh, mm-hmm. One example of this would be somebody not listing they used marijuana five years ago because they were embarrassed or afraid uh, they wouldn't get their security clearance. Uh, on the you know opposite end of that, had they listed it that they used it five years ago and they're not using it you know ever since, they absolutely would not have a problem with that aspect of the investigation. But the fact that they didn't list it because they were embarrassed or afraid, that leads to what we call omission or intentional falsification, and most likely you'll be denied. So it's a very simple thing that could have been avoided, and had they read my book or listened to your radio show today, uh, they would have known that it's better to be honest than to leave something off your form. Mm. I'm so glad to hear that because I, 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 as a person who's interested in psychology and what motivates people, I would be curious, and you already said something, maybe they're, fa- they're afraid of, of saying it or they're embarrassed by it. I would be curious, why would somebody leave something like that off? I, what, they must believe that somebody's going to find this out. You've already said a couple reasons, but I, I would find it interesting. Would they just sort of hope that it, they wouldn't notice it? Or do you have any more insight as to why people would leave that information off? Well, I've had so many people over the years that I did investigations uh, where this has occurred, uh, and the main reason was because they were afraid they would be denied a security clearance. Now, you have to remember, uh, there were no books uh, or radio shows that covered this issue. They did not probably get the proper guidance. Uh, Their mindset wasn't placed in such a manner that... uh, It was explained to them it's best to list as opposed to omit and the reasons for that. And this is one of the reasons that I wrote the book was to help people understand the process, not be afraid, and do the right thing when they complete their investigative paperwork. Uh, But there's no reason to be afraid. Um, Nobody's perfect. Everybody has made mistakes. It's just a matter of are you still making those mistakes today? Are you planning on making the same mistakes tomorrow? People like that will not receive a security clearance if the mistakes are serious in nature. But uh, for these other reasons, uh, it's just best to always list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for that, for indulging me with that, Kevin. I just couldn't help but delve into that just a little bit deeper. It's just interesting in terms of the motivation piece. And it makes sense, right? It's, it's coming from a place yes. of not being informed. Um, we have just a couple minutes left here in the show already, Kevin. Time has evaporated. Um, two, maybe two more questions, if you can. Uh, any maybe just quick tips and strategies in your book that you might be able to share with us to help people get a job that maybe might not require a security clearance? Yes. Um, many federal jobs require what's called a public trust investigation. You complete a different form. It's called the SF-85. It's similar to the 86, but it's much uh, smaller, if you will. You can do it much quicker. Uh, you can apply the tips from my book for the same investigative process. Uh, the second thing I have is uh, any job that requires a background investigation, such as a criminal record check, financial record check, or even reference interviews, uh, the tips I provide in my book help you to prepare or at least try to fix any of those issues. And uh, many employers now... Uh, do require extensive background checks before they hire someone. 
due to the potentialness of uh, untrustworthy employees, IT hackers, or even potential terrorist activity. Mm. Mm. That's quite a list. Um, all right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct my listeners to in just a second as to where they can buy your book. The final question I would ask from you is just any final advice that you can give our listeners who might be one day completing a security clearance application or going for a job that might require some kind of background check. Any final advice for them? I sure can. I, I would highly recommend that they read my book. Uh, it's very simple to read and understand, but more important, it will give you an inside view on what to expect and how to best prepare. Uh, next, just go online and get a copy of the SF-86, as I said, so you'll know what to expect. And probably last uh, and easiest, just live your life in a positive manner. Don't do anything that you wouldn't want others to read about in the newspaper, and that sort of sums up. You know, when I think about that, don't do anything that you wouldn't want somebody to read about in the newspaper, right? So, in other words, if it makes the news, you're probably going to be in trouble Most likely, <laughs> for a yeah. job like this. Okay. <laughs> Um, well, Kevin, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. It was delightful for me because it's such a unique perspective, one that, we, again, we have not had on the show here. Um, I appreciated that you've you've boiled down in a short amount of time your 21 years of experience. You have talked to us a lot about your book, and it helped us understand what's in it and how we can actually apply for work that maybe would be way off our radar screen without this conversation. So I really appreciate you taking the time for us today. My pleasure. Glad I could help. Uh, it's been fun. So if you want to learn more about Kevin Crane and his work, even if you just, when you go to his website, you can learn about him, a bit more about, about his background, his interests, um, and you can also order his book on his website. And that website is federalsecurityclearance.net. The other thing they can do if you want to pick up that book of his is when you go to Amazon.com, you can type in his name, Kevin Crane, K-E-V-I-N-C-R-A-N-E, and then the name of his book is Access Granted. Those are the two ways that you can pick up his book. Highly recommend it. Appreciate you sharing your your, your wisdom. It's You've done something that many people don't do, Kevin, and that is to to boil down into a usable, practical guide your years of experience to help somebody else. So certainly appreciate what you're doing out there. Um, and I, I hope one day to get to meet you in person. Well, I hope we can, Elise. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. Well, for you listeners out there, we'll see you next week. Remember that work is at least one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.